And all the people said, Amen. It's good to see each and every one of you here. I'm delighted you are here to worship with us, and thank you. Uh, I'm always a little reluctant as to what to call these folk, but these folk who've served us by playing the bells this morning, uh, even if it did give us the wardrobe challenge of seeing Brian in gloves, right? That's the Michael Jackson thing, I think, but I th didn't, he, didn't he just have one glove, though? But I'm delighted uh, you're here. It's just such a joy to be, uh, be a part of worship this morning. Uh, thank you, choir, and uh, our musicians this morning, Barbara. Beth, uh, thank you so much. Uh, it's good. It's good to be gathered together. And again, welcome to teachers. Uh, I won't uh, reminisce too long, but I just want to tell you that uh, public school teachers made a profound uh, um, impression upon my own pilgrimage and I am forever indebted and I am for uh, education wherever it takes place of course uh, but I just want to tell you I'm very very appreciative I'll just mention one people ask me were you in the top 10 percent well yes but in my school sort of rough uh, not on the right side of town and by today's standards, I think dangerous. You were in the top 10% if you just weren't a physical threat to your teacher, right? <laughs> if you just, if you showed up and they weren't scared of you, well, you were in the top 10%. Top 10% was not very, very difficult, uh, maybe, to maintain. Just show up and, and don't be physically threatening. Um, but uh, I, I do remember um, one gentleman along the way who got my attention. And... Uh, he kept uh, talking about these matters and putting me on the spot and giving tests. And, uh, and just the most, it's the craziest thing. I, I know this should happen before your high school experience, but it hit me. There's no way you can do this without actually studying. <laughs> I mean, this was uh, the first uh, time I'd really faced this. I, I'm ashamed to tell you that was <laughs> my senior year in high school, but, uh, but at the same time, it was like, wow, the only way I could have ever do this is to actually have read this. And uh, that began a conversation and a friendship that lasted for some years. And he and others were great encourages, uh, encouragements to me. I, I don't know if I would have very, very well in college if I hadn't run into to he and a few others. Um, and I just want to say to you, we are profoundly grateful for the investment you make in children. And Wendy, thank you for the charge this morning. And uh, Wendy, I also have to say, uh, church family, this place was really, really crowded twice this week on Tuesday and Thursday night when uh, the Mother's Day Out had its um, end-of-year program and a graduation, and it was, let me tell you, a big deal. And families from all over, all over this area, and this county, I would imagine, we're here. Uh, and um, Wendy, thank you for the good work you do. And we're proud as a church that that's a part of who we are, to care for children. So thank you. It's just good to be here, good to be a part of what's going on here. Uh, just one more further word. If you'll find your way uh, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we'll read this in just a moment. But one more final word. We have business meeting tonight. It's not on the agenda. That's my fault, no one else's. But uh, I would, as a part of my report, 
uh, entertain and hope to initiate a conversation about um, that, that I've been hearing you call for about our meeting times on Sunday morning. And uh, so I just did want to make that public. If you'd like to hear that uh, this evening, um, I'll be happy to sort of uh, initiate uh, that conversation with some thinkings of my own and, and uh, from the, the uh, part of the business meeting where I'm offered and charged to give a report. And so I'll be doing that this evening. It's good to be with you. Paul lived in a world filled with alternative voices. The Christian norm and the Christian faith and the Christian word was far from a given. It was an upcropping in, in a world around it that was hostile and largely indifferent to it. We're grateful to God and the work of his spirit to blow across that world and to use people like Paul to spread that gospel with remarkable efficiency. And, and we're grateful for the good news that keeps getting passed on and passed on this very day. But I just want you to understand, in the world that Paul lived in, there were competing voices. There were many who just thought, if there are any gods, they don't really care about us at all. And the smart move would just be to go about your life and live your life the best you can because God doesn't show any interest in us and no evidence of any engagement with us. I would dare say that a modern version of that old idea is very much in play in much of our culture. Jesus does, doesn't seem to be a factor in the conversation. The idea of God seems to be strange and distant to some folk, and others are just left to do the best we can. I just want to say to you, Paul lived in a world that was completely different. Paul lived in this world where he thought God had spoken and worked in history. He had delivered children of Israel from slavery, yeah, he had given his law, he had uh, overseen uh, the work and, and uh, given voice to the prophets, and that father has sent a son into the world to act definitively and just show the world what he is like and what he's about in his initiative. But even when that son is ascended to this place of authority, Paul knows the spirit is still there in the church, and the most remarkable thing goes on. The Spirit of God is still speaking. He still raises up people like prophets and teachers. And those people still communicate. Now, uh, I don't have any sense that what I'm doing today is the act of prophecy in the sense that what I'm saying is a God-given sort of thing that is obviously true. Uh, my words have to be measured by the words of the text. And the words of previous prophecies that are gathered in this, uh, in this scripture. But despite all of my failings and shortcomings, still the word from the Spirit is communicated. It's taken directions I never anticipated. I, I would never know to anticipate. 
Uh, I, I just want you to know that if you sit where I sit sometime uh, when folks are coming out of church, sometimes they tell you about what they got out of that sermon. And sometimes I go, really? You got that out of that sermon? You know, I, uh, the, 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 the variety is uh, different. But that is indeed what I'm suggesting. The Spirit takes what we do in our very best efforts and applies it to hearts. And the Spirit is at work. Paul thought the Spirit was at work and bringing voice to the gospel and the good news and the hope of the gospel, not only in just these special sort of offices like teachers and preachers and prophets, but all through the church manifested in their gifts. And this morning, I'd like you to read with me if you would, or, or follow along as I read. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We'll read the first verses. Um, the middle of the chapter is about the image of the body. And then again, toward the end of the chapter, uh, there's again uh, another set of text and another set of gifts mentioned that support what I'm suggesting this morning from the first part. Let's Follow along as I read for you from chapter 12. This is, again, 1 Corinthians. And everybody seems to be able to find it but me. Hold on. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, by extension, I think, sisters, Paul says, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that you were Gentiles or the idea is pagans, uh, they're not Hebrews, uh, right? <clears throat> and you were <clears throat> enticed and even led astray <clears throat> to idols. But those idols could not speak. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one is speaking by the Spirit of God if they say, let Jesus be cursed. And no one can say the shortest New Testament confession. Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit. Paul wants to say that the measure and the standard and the source of our talk as Christians about God is what the Spirit gives us. And you can measure this the Spirit is never going to prompt you to pop up in a service somewhere and say, anathema to Jesus. That would be done by some of Paul's follow, fellow Jews who are not believers at this time. They would have been turning on Christians and denouncing the idea of Christ. But when we say, and not in a cheap sense, we know we can say these words, but when we offer this confession, when this confession is the from us, Jesus is Lord. Paul says, that is the work of the Spirit. You don't come to that point to claim Jesus as Lord, to confess Him as Lord, to embrace Him as Lord, unless it's the Spirit of God working in you. Now, the tradition may have put before you idols, Paul says, that didn't speak. But this God is speaking. And he continues to speak. He has sent us his son. But even as his son is ascended, the spirit still works in the church. And the spirit is still speaking 
through the people that make up the church. And Paul says, God is not dumb. He is not silent. He is not still. But God is working in you. And the fact that you would come to hear this story and to embrace faith in Jesus Christ, the fact that you would come uh, to, to uh, set your loyalty and your affection, you would trust yourself to this story. The fact that you would have this affection to Jesus and that you would say, yes, I'm no longer on the stand line, uh, sidelines. I am all in. Jesus is my Lord. When you would say that, Paul says, that's the work of the Spirit. That doesn't come to you any other way but by the Spirit. It's the Spirit that holds us together, and it's the Spirit that animates in us the voice of God that we can still hear when we hear one another and see one another doing the things that God has entrusted them to do. You get the idea? You're entrusted to do something particular. If you follow along in verse 4, now there are varieties of gifts, but notice this, one in the same spirit. There are a variety of services, but one in the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who activates all of them in everyone. And to each is given a manifestation of the spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit an utterance of wisdom to another, an utterance of knowledge according to that same Spirit, to another, faith by the same Spirit, to another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit, and to another, working of miracles, and to another, prophecy, and to another, a discernment of spirits, I think the ability to discriminate between genuine voices of the Spirit, and all, and to another, the interpretation of tongues. And all these are activated by one and the same Spirit who allots to each one individually just as the Spirit chooses. Now, I'm not read it, but if you look at the end of this chapter, there's another listing of offices like apostles, prophets, pastor teachers. The list goes on some that we would recognize and be familiar with, some that would seem strange and distant to us. And my word to you is this. What Paul sees happening when the Spirit of God moves is that the Spirit of God engifts the individual uh, members of a church, the individual people in a congregation, and he grants them a gift. And then this gift, and there might be gifts involved, I think that there would be. But these gifts, then, are ways that you serve the church for the common good. It's no doubt a blessing when you manifest or you exercise a gift that God has given you, but its purpose is to build up the entire church. It's for the good of the church. Now, let me ask you to think with me about this. I think I can get us in the ballpark if we think in terms of gifts along this line. I think if you take the various lists of gifts in the New Testament, sort of compile them, my working definition works fairly well. And I think it gets us along the road. I think a gift is a special endowment 
a special empowerment and enabling. It might include the sense of calling. But God gives through His Spirit to everyone, everyone in the church family, some sense of gift and some ability of service. The language there about some are service, some are act activities or works and so on it, it's a little bit mysterious to be sure as i would look at this though this the gifts are given to every believer and the service and the work idea is just how these things would be employed in the church so god enables you to do something now sometimes this matches your natural gifting as a person uh, like my pastor for many years the Remarkable Dwayne Brooks, uh, what, what an orator, what a, a person. He says those words, I just sort of mumble out and so on. He says them clearly and uh, amazing, uh, just in, in their uh, kind of uh, beauty and symmetry. He's, he recites poetry, uh, line after line, and it's beautiful and it's winsome and it's just right for the point he's making. He's a remarkable reader of the New Testament text and, 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 and so on. And again and again, uh, his facility with languages and on and on, it just makes it a, a feast to set under his, uh, his teaching and his preaching week after week. But you could easily say this. This is a very bright guy who speaks several languages, and he could be good at speaking no matter what he did. And there would be any number of venues he could be successful at with his talent as a public speaker, even if he weren't a preacher. Now, Duane would take, I believe, some serious objection to this idea that you would reduce his gift down to natural talents. But he would not, I think, uh, even humble as he is, he would not deny that he has an obvious gift for these things. But this guy, his call to preach is like coded deeply into him. He has many things he could do in the church. And many organizations would love to have him uh, working in one capacity or another. But this guy gets up thinking about preaching. And in between sermons, he's thinking about what he could have done to make that sermon better. You get what I'm saying? This person has this task of preaching put deeply into his heart. It's a special task, an enablement, an empowerment that is placed on him by the Holy Spirit. And he would be angry if you just said, well, there's nothing there except the raw talent polished. Uh, he does polish it. He works hard to this day. After many years, he's still working hard, maybe harder than ever. He, he is a diligent servant. But his idea is to stand before this congregation and, and to speak this word and when he does that faithfully nothing gives him greater joy and satisfaction there's an example I, I think of something that's not just raw talent but it's raw talent plus this in gifting there are other times and these are mysterious to me where the gift doesn't seem to correspond to the raw talent at all in other words, sometimes by the Spirit's sort of own unction and direction and so on, there's 
a wonderful thing that happens. A person is called to do this gift, to exercise this gift. But frankly, they may be the last person you would ever imagine. I taught for two years in Arkansas in a little place called Walnut Ridge. It's way up in the north uh, east side of Arkansas. If it was in the northwest side of Arkansas, I might still be in Arkansas. Uh, but in the northeast side of Arkansas, things were kind of flat and wet. And sort of like down here, if you stood in one place long enough, you probably began to sink a little bit slowly. It was already in the river delta of uh, Mississippi. And, and they had mosquitoes. And so I guess I'm, I'm just going to be in mosquitoes for all my life. I don't know. I was called one place and I'm called here. And uh, mosquitoes are just part of uh, what the Lord has me to face, I suppose. But that was a wonderful church family. We um, joined it. We loved them, and they loved us and were kind to us. And, and anyway, I, I just was so grateful to be there. And uh, my dear friend there, a, a church historian, had wrote the history of this church. And I soon saw that this was not like some... Uh, you know, just a, a typical effort at, at histories, a, a few things and a, and a few photos gathered together. This was a, really a monumental sort of work of history. And as I looked through that history, I was captured by one remarkable story. Walnut Ridge had been a rough place, a really rough place. It was a place not unlike Paragould, if you know that part of the world, that was a, a union for the um, railroads at one time, and they would dump railroad men off, and may, they may have to stay there a day or two until they got the, the, the train to the next place. And so a lot of transient uh, people that were there for maybe a week or so, and then would move on, a lot of young men with money in their pockets. You know things could get out of, out of hand, and they did. Um, the churches were drying up. Uh, the, the other institutions, let's say, were doing better. You get what I'm saying? And uh, it was a real, a real struggle. And people didn't feel safe on the streets. Uh, a lot of young men with uh, money and disposable income at a time when times were hard and so on. It was a rough, rough place. And they prayed, what could we possibly do as a church to reach these young men, as they're on these sort of layovers, uh, and, and they have this money to spend and all this reckless time and energy. And uh, as they prayed, the pastor called a group to pray with him about this, and they kept coming up in their minds with the, this young woman. She was a young married woman, a, a, a woman of very short stature. Uh, there, there was nothing, I think, uh, sort of... Uh, outstanding about her appearance that would uh, suggest to you that uh, maybe uh, young men might listen to her. Uh, she had never led before. She had never taught before, never taught in that church. But they kept coming back to her. And after a season of praying, they finally approached her and they said, we, we don't know what's happening here, but we just really sense that God keeps directing us back to you uh, you know we want to do something about these young people and so on. And she thought it ridiculous at first. She said, you know, I, what, have you, what are you thinking? I've never taught publicly. I, I'm not a speaker. I, I've never organized or led anything in the church. Why are you thinking about me? In a matter of weeks, she came back and she said to that same group, I know what you're talking about. 
I, I, I misspoke to you before uh, because the truth is this. This has been heavy upon my heart. They started out not even knowing what they would do. But along the way, they pulled a, a wagon up and she took her place on this sort of platform and began to speak openly in the streets. And all I can say is, it's a spirit thing. These young men came from everywhere to be gathered around to hear this young woman who had never led or spoke before. It was a matter of weeks, and they were using the term revival. People began to notice that people who had stopped off there at that place for their layovers were often different when they moved on. The churches, not only the Baptist church we belong to, but the churches across town began to flourish, opened their doors, and their numbers increased, and these visitors came to be to their town, but came to be visitors to their church. And that church and that region notes that as a remarkable, remarkable work of the Spirit. But I would just suggest to you, if you were looking for someone to reach young men, you could look through that church manual, and she would be one of the last people you would ever expect, right? What'd she have, though? She had this gifting. She had this gifting. This enablement. And you never would have picked her out of the profile. And yet, she was vital and instrumental. After this season of great revival, she takes her place back in, in, the, in the pew. And I don't think that she's noted for anything extraordinary about teaching or anything else in the church. God called her and gave her this remarkable gifting. And she continued to work Strangely, with these young adolescent men. And you would have never known or anticipated. I'm just suggesting to you, you can't look out and just simply look at your talent and your time and say, oh, I must be this or I must be that. There's more to it than that. You may well be called upon to use those talents that you use so ably elsewhere for the purpose of church, but not necessarily so. And here's my word to you. The church needs to hear you. The church needs to see you. The church needs the service and work that you would render. Sometimes your work is going to be behind the scenes. There's people in this church that care for other people, and the spotlight is never on them. But that doesn't mean that you're unimportant. And you might be fulfilling a gift that God has put in you by the Holy Spirit. And we just need to understand this. The remarkable thing is this. And here's where I call you to come and gather with me around this idea. That This idea is this. By the grace of God, somehow, he's used the broken people. I know we're people who've made our confession. But we, we were saved out of something. And we're not done with that something we were saved out of. Do you understand? We're still creatures that struggle to put to death the old life and to have the new life come. 
And God uses people like us. And God's spirit works in us. And God has something for you. I don't know that, what that is, and I cannot tell you, but the scripture we just read says the Spirit divvies up these gifts to the church members. And I want to ask you to be alert and alive to this. What is there something, is there something I can do to serve? I want you to be touched by the grace of God that he would use folk like us, and that he could ever speak through folks like us who are pilgrims along the way. I want you to be alert to this idea that the church needs you. The church needs you. The church needs you to be awake and alert to your own gifting. And the church will, and if, when you give and exercise your gift, the whole church grows and becomes stronger. You come and bring your gift. Other people come and bring their gifts. And we can care for one another, not just out of a stubborn care. But out of something the Spirit does in us. And let me ask you to be awake to this idea that the Spirit wants to work in each of us. Toward the upbuilding of all of us. I want you to be alert and awake to the Spirit until the time comes when you get your sense of what the Spirit is doing. Many of you have already found a place. You know God's put it upon your heart to teach. You do that regularly in this place. By the way, we have some of the best instruction in this place, uh, in, in this church. I'm just so grateful for it. Those are people, I think, that are gifted to do just that. And God blesses them and blesses all the people that are here around them. But along the way, let me just say, let's don't get all kind of crazy union like, you know, I have this gift. I don't do anything else. Please don't bother me, right? Like, you know, I'm sorry, that's the, that's the electrical guy. You ask somebody else to plug that plug again, right? In the meantime, what? We all have to help and serve and help one another. But let's make it our goal to find what the Spirit has placed in you to serve the whole Let's pray together. Gracious Father, we pray. Will you bless us? Will you awaken us that the Spirit is working even in us? Even in our lives and even in our church. Our, would you awaken us and, and, and alert us that what we tread on here, and what we talk about here, and what we decide on here... and and all the things we do, that they're not something casual, not something simple, but this is the stuff that the Spirit has done in us to make us. And God, I just pray, bring us to church with a, almost a reverence that when we face one another and when we care for one another, we hear the Spirit talking and see the Spirit working and awaken in us a fresh wind of your spirit to awaken us to the task and calling that you'd have for each one of us the tasks are so different lord but it's the same spirit and we just pray lord blow speak move in jesus name we pray amen